You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. Good morning. We're going to read Colossians 3, 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you've done for us, for sending Jesus, for loving us, for giving us each other, our spiritual family here at Enclave, Lord. We just thank you for all the different ways that you provide for us and that you show yourself to us. We just thank you for all of our pastors and all their uniqueness and the different ways that they serve you and serve our community and our church family. We just pray for Matt as you um, prepare him and give him your words, Lord, that you will speak through him to us, to our hearts, Lord. And let the Spirit just open our hearts and our eyes to what it is that you want us to individually understand and know. We just thank you again for all that you do for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Michelle. And I wanted to say thank you too for the kind words you said on, uh, on social media there. It's a very nice, um, Darcy's not here, she's in the nursery, but I wanna thank her and everybody that, that participated in, in putting that together. That was really nice, uh, a very, very cool surprise uh, to hear all those things, so, so thank you. Uh, and I wanna start off this morning uh, by asking you to think about uh, a time or a situation uh, where, where you've wondered or, or worried, or, or maybe even stressed around the following question. Am I doing a good job? You might, might think about it in, in past tense, present tense, or future tense, right? And, and it's, it's gonna come up in a lot of different ways, but if you think about it in past tense, it might be like, did I do a good job? That could be a situation where you went out for uh, an audition, or you tried out for a team, or you interviewed for a job, and, and you wonder, like, did I do a, a good job? And it's sort of normal, right, to wonder, because whether or not you get the job is going to be dependent on, on how good of a job you did. So, so it's, it's a natural thing to wonder. But then, say you get the job, then you're going to have some, some concern too, right, because you have to be able to do a good job to keep it, uh, and, and if you want to advance or do more, it's going to depend on how well you perform. So there's some worry around that. I, I think about how the San Francisco Giants just let go of their manager, Gabe Kapler, um, after a bad season. But just two years ago, he was named manager of the year, won over 100 games with them. Now he's gone, right? So there's, there's always this sort of pressure to perform. And then, and then when something like that happens to you, like you get let go or something, you have sort of a negative thing that happens, you, you start to wonder like, am I gonna do a good job? Am I gonna be able to do good in the future? Or, or will I fail again? So, so there's all kinds of different reasons why we ask ourselves the question, am I doing a good job? 
So, sometimes people actually ask that question because they think they're doing a good job and they just want somebody to tell them, yeah, yes, yes, you are, you're doing a really good job. Um, but there's, there's all of these reasons why we worry and we wonder about that question, but there's also things that compound that, right? We, we live in a, a social media age where it doesn't take much for us to look around us and see how well everybody else is doing, right? And so you scroll a little bit and you see people who just seem to be doing better at life, right? They're like driving a nice car, living in a bigger house, they're going on better vacations, they, they take these perfect pictures of themselves, you know, the, the morning coffee with cream and two selfies, you know, so, and, and, and you're just like, what? It's, and so it's really easy to, to let that compound our, our anxiety that we have around our performance. And, and before we get too far into this, I, I want to say one thing, and that is doing a good job is a good thing. We, we should, as Christians, give our best to the things that we do. When we, when we do our best, we are honoring God with our work. And, and when we build and we create, we are being good image bearers. When we start to let the results of our performance become our identity, we find ourselves feeling anxious and we set ourselves up for failure because there's always gonna be somebody smarter, somebody more successful and does a better job. And even if we were able to like climb to the top and do the best job, like can we sustain it? And then will it satisfy us, right? And, and so why does this happen? You know, we, we naturally want to be viewed well by others, but we also, we live in this, this Western culture that just really thinks highly of individualism. And, and, and on top of that, this culture thinks of doing well or, or being thought well of as a consequence of how well we perform in regards to wealth, position, and power. So we find ourselves today in a cultural moment where anxiety is at an all-time high. Uh, I've heard it said that one in three teenagers today suffers from some form of anxiety, and that since COVID, the onset of anxiety is about six to seven years old. Right. And there's all, there's all kinds of different types of anxiety. The one I'm going to focus on today is really centered around that anxiety that we get in, in terms of our performance and in terms of how well we per, are perceived by others. So that, that's going to be kind of where we focus. And, and, and I believe that that, that type of anxiety, it, it's, it's, it's rooted in something that is really a symptom of a bigger issue. See, as we as we desire to do well, and as we wanna perform well as individuals, what we're really seeking is belonging. We want to belong. And, and so, hear me out. Why would we care about how good we look if no one ever saw us, right? What, would we post anything on Instagram if nobody was on it? To see it, right? Probably not, right? So, so we want validation from others. We, we want to belong to others. We, we, there's no such thing as belonging if there's no one else around to notice, right? So, um, and, and this, is, this is what we see happen, and this is how crafty sin is, is we want to be in 
communion with others. We want to belong. And what we think we need to do to belong is to elevate ourselves above everyone else. We somehow think that being the best or being above everyone equates to communion with others. And, it, and that, that's wrong, right? And, and sometimes what we think that that means is we need to push other people out of the way or even do things that are unethical in order to get our seat at the table. You see, you see how just, just twisted that becomes? So we're, we want communion, but what we create with our action is division. And this is what happens in the church of Colossae. There's this, this group of, there's these Christians, these new believers that are, are seeking to belong with each other. And they think that in order to do that, they need to, to, to make that happen through their performance in regards to religious behaviors and practices. So let me just give you uh, a, a quick rundown on the book of Colossians. So Paul writes this letter uh, to a, a group of Christians who are facing heresy. So they, they believe that there's these certain things that have now become most important, these, these practices that they need to do, the religious practices that, that are somehow the most important thing. And, and there's division in the church because they, they believe that there's different ways that that should look. And, and people feel like there's uh, more important things than others. And so Paul addresses this in the letter. And I wanna, I wanna point out real quick where he addresses that. So in chapter two, verse 20, he says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And then skipping to verse 23, he says, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So you see how Paul is, is contrasting the idea of, of dying with Christ, like having a, a union with Christ and an and appearance of wisdom in doing religious practices. He says, those are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. See, I said earlier, like it's, it's, it's good to do a good job. And Paul is saying we should be putting to death these sin and these indulgences of the flesh, but the way to do it is not through these religious practices that are just there to make you look good. So the problem, um, sorry, let me back up. So they're facing heresy and it, it, it's birthed in this misunderstanding or, or misinterpretation of the gospel or minimizing of the gospel. And that happens to us, right? We, we forget, we forget that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us while we were still sinners. And, and, and we now are adopted into a family. So we already belong. I, I am connected to Jesus. And, and, that, and that's the good news that, that I was not good enough. I was dead in my trespasses and, and God saved me. So, so I already belong. I'm connected to Jesus. So the problem they're facing is heresy, but it's, it's rooted in this need to belong, which is our need too. And, and, and they're just distorting how it is that that should look 
in order to get it. So Paul's gonna spend the first two chapters in the book of Colossians just really explaining the gospel, getting back to that, that, that Jesus Christ is, is king and, and that he has reconciled us to himself through his death and resurrection. And, and, and he's gonna explain that in great detail, but then he gets to, to chapter three and he switches gears and he starts talking about now how we should live in response to this in response to the gospel, and he starts to get really practical and really specific. And he starts talking about things that we should do now in the way that we live. And most of them are really things that, that the way that we should act and, and treat each other in community. They're things like putting off anger, malice, and slander, and instead putting on things like kindness, compassion, and love. And I don't know about the rest of you, but when I, when I start hearing things in, in a list like that, I start to feel a little anxious. And I think that that's, that's partially growing up in church. Um, I, I heard behaviors as, as what, what it meant to be a Christian. And so when I start to hear them, I start feeling a little anxious because when I, when I think about, I, I've failed in those things in the past, and I, I currently kind of struggle with some of those, and it makes me wonder, am I going to be able to continue to do those things? Like, I, I have trouble sometimes with anger, and, and I'm not always very compassionate. So what does that say about me? Am I good enough? Am I doing a good job? So um, uh, so where was I? Um, I totally lost my place. Um, <laughs> okay, so Paul... That's right. So Paul, he, he adds three things uh, that'll be our text today that I think are really helpful with how we respond to that feeling, that feeling of anxiousness around, am I gonna be good enough? Um, so let's go ahead and look at our text and we'll see where we get those three points. So in chapter three, verse 15, this is what Michelle read earlier. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the three things we're gonna talk about, the three ways that we can fight against the anxiety that we feel around our performance and how well we're perceived by others are let the word of Christ rule, let the, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you and be grateful. So I'm gonna add one more thing about these three points before we dive in. These are all commands, but they're all passive commands. They're not things that we need to go out and do but they are things that we need to allow God to do through us, through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we invite him in, these are things that he can do with us. These are not things, I'll just say, these are impossible to do on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to do them through us. So keep that in mind uh, as we go through them. So our first point is, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The peace of Christ could be described as the, the absence of conflict when Christ is at the head of the body. 
the peace of Christ, the absence of conflict when Christ is at the head of the body. So Paul will refer to Christ as the head um, many times throughout the New Testament. But I'm gonna point out a couple from Colossians. So chapter one, verse 19, he says, he is the head of the body, the church. And in chapter two, verse 10, he says, he is the head of all rule and authority. So you have Christ as the head, like the chief, the top of the command, and you have Christ as the head of, of the body, the part that's the controlling part of our body, the part that keeps us all knit together as one. Paul says that like this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 14. And he himself is our peace, who has made us both, here he's talking about Jew and Gentile, both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, the, the peace of Christ needs to rule in our hearts. And in, in this word rule, what, we, what it means is sort of to act as an umpire or an uh, arbiter of games. It, it determines the rules and what is out of bounds or, or what is a, a foul, right? So, so what is okay and not okay in our community? And so what we, we need to let go of and we, we need to let go of the things that are ruling in our hearts instead. And what often tends to rule our hearts in times of anxiety around performance is that way that we compare ourselves to others. And the bad fruit that comes from comparing ourselves to others are things like pride, envy, ingratitude, competition. And what do those things lead to? those lead to conflict. So you have anxiety that leads to competition and comparison and ultimately to conflict. And this is what happened in Colossae. There, there are these different things that are creating conflict because they're, they're letting the wrong thing rule in their hearts. And in chapter two, verse 19, Paul says, you're not holding fast to the head so, so when we don't, when we allow something else to rule and we, we, we get focused on these other things as opposed to putting our, our eyes on Jesus, we, we find ourselves conflicted about what's the most important thing, right? And so in, in times of conflict, what tends to be ruling in our hearts then are things like bitterness, anger, hurt, the, the need to be right. So, so I said earlier that the peace of Christ is the absence of conflict, and yet we have conflict all around us, right? But, and, and Jesus said in this world, there, there will be trouble in John 16, right? So, so we know that there's gonna be conflict, but, but the way that the world tries to resolve conflict is through systems, processes, legislation, and we look around us and we can see that that hasn't really worked out very well for us, right? But in John chapter 14, Jesus says, he will leave us with a peace that's not of this world. And so when you think about how did, how did Jesus resolve conflict? Through forgiveness, through sacrifice, through laying down his life. So the peace that we will experience 
will only come in that way. And, and I don't think that we will see an, an absence of conflict completely in this lifetime. But if our response, if what's ruling in our heart is sacrificial love for others, then I think we can experience peace in moments big and small within our community when the peace of Christ rules in our heart. So if the way that we handle conflict is by letting the peace of Christ rule in our heart, the way that we should live is guided by the word of Christ when we let it dwell richly in us. So the word of Christ could also be called the word about Christ, the good news that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death and the devil for his people through his death, burial, and resurrection. See, when we, when we understand that and we accept and, and become in union with Christ, we, we become a new creation. Our old self has died and we are raised to walk in this newness of life. But, but when that happens, there, there's still this old self that kind of sticks around, right? And, and, it, and it's hard because we try to, to do the right things and, and put away sin. But as we struggle... We start to experience that anxiety again about, man, I, I'm not doing as well as I feel like I should. And we try to overcome these things by, by figuring out other practices and ways that we can do better instead of meditating on and remembering who we are in Christ. See, there's a, there's a major difference in sort of understanding something in our minds and what happens when we allow it to penetrate into our hearts. And the way, that we, the way that the word of Christ penetrates into our hearts is when we let it dwell richly in us, when it, when it sort of takes up residence in our hearts and it, it lives in there. And so I want to I share a, a story that, that Tim Keller shared. He, he tells a story of a woman who shows up to his church and she, she comes over a few weeks and finally he approaches her and he says, hey, I've noticed you've been coming. And she says, yeah, but I'm really not sure if I believe any of this stuff yet. And he's like, oh, okay, well, how, you know, how come you keep coming then? And, and she says, well, I had an experience with a coworker and it, it just, I don't know exactly what to do with it. And she goes on and says, I, I started at a new job and um, I was going through training and it came time for me to give my first sort of presentation and I completely blew it. I didn't get all the research done in time. I wasn't able to pull all the files together. We actually had to, to cancel the meeting and it was really bad for our company and, and they were gonna fire me. And my coworker, he, he kind of went to bat for me. He went to the office and he said, don't fire her. This is my fault. I didn't, I didn't train her. I didn't give her all of the resources that she needed. I'll take the blame. And, and he actually suffered some, some pretty severe consequences with the job because of it. And, and see, he said, and she, she went up to him and she said, why, why did you do this? And he said, you know, my, my whole life is based off of someone taking the blame for me. And, and so I just, I can't, I can't see it any other way. Now, you see that the gospel hadn't just become head knowledge for him, it had penetrated into his heart and it, it was changing him from the inside out. So 
how do we get there, right? How does that happen to us? Well, we, we have to let the, the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And the text that would say through teaching, admonishing, singing songs, hymns and spiritual songs. So any idea where we could find something like that? Yeah, but... Um, and Sunday service is a really great, great place to start, but I really think you should, I would encourage you to find something more than just that. For me, I'll just tell you, it's Mo. Like being there every week, learn, you know, studying the word, hearing from, from men for how their lives are going, praying together week after week. It just keeps the gospel fresh and, and it's like telling myself the story of the, of the Bible over and over again. Some of you have heard great things about book club. It may be that for you or, or a home group, but I would say find a way in addition to Sunday service to be in community and share the gospel together um, and, and let the word of Christ dwell richly. So when we're, we're experiencing that anxiety around our performance, the answer shouldn't be to, to double down or, or to try harder or try to make it look like we're doing better but instead let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. So the last thing that we can do to sort of fight against anxiety uh, in regards to our performance and how we're perceived by others is to be grateful. There's a, one thing I'll point out is that there's, there's three times in these three verses that Paul mentions something about gratitude or thankfulness, right? So here, here they are. So you have um, verse one, he says, be thankful. Uh, verse two, it says, with thanksgiving in your hearts. And in verse three, it says, giving thanks. It's, it's always interesting to me when psychology kind of catches up to what the Bible's been teaching. Um, like Paul's literally writing like a, a prescription for anxiety here. Um, one of the reasons why being grateful is so effective in the fight against anxiety is because it's, it's energetically opposed to fear. Like our brains cannot experience fear and gratitude at the same time. See, fear is always about what could be, what might happen. Or gratitude is always about what has already taken place. And for us, that's the victory that we have in Jesus and the fact that we already belong. So we have no reason to fear. So what I, what I would say is, you know, we need to find a way to practice thanksgiving. Paul brings it up three times for a reason because it's not something we do naturally Tim Keller says, gratitude is what we feel, but thanksgiving is what we do. So what I, what I want to encourage you to do is to find a way, you know, I think about how Thanksgiving holiday is not that far. It's about less than a month away. Find a way to just out loud say what we're grateful for every day. Find some way to, to just practice thanksgiving. I was just thinking about like, as we go and hand out bags, if you're doing that today, just maybe just think about like all of the different ways and things that we're thankful for, that we get to be out there doing this. Man, I just, you know, it's so easy for us to just take for granted the things that we have. You know, 
I heard Matt Chandler say, you'll never be grateful for anything that you think you're entitled to. And just like God has given us so much. Practice Thanksgiving today. So I wanna end like this. As Christians, we are called to lead a life of holiness. I believe that we should, with everything that we have, put to death sin and put on these, this new way of life. And, and it, it, will always, it, it should be the right and good response that we have to our salvation in Jesus. But when we struggle and when we fail, our response should not be to just double down on performance or, or to try to turn our attention away from ourselves and make it look like we're doing better. What we should do is turn your eyes upon Jesus. So I've asked Tim to come up and, and just lead us in singing that song. We're just gonna do a verse and a, and a chorus. But, but as we sing this song, I want you to think about the weariness that comes from trying so hard to do a good job or to try to make it look like we're doing better than we are or the conflict that comes when we try to try to make it on our own and we try to find the best way to handle it and disagree with the way other people are doing things. And instead of that, of holding on to that, what it would mean if we just all collectively turn our eyes upon Jesus. So let's sing this together. So the question we should be asking ourselves is not, am I doing a good job? What we should ask is, have we allowed the gospel to penetrate into our hearts, deep into those places where we're having such a hard time letting go and we're clinging to things so tightly? And, and as we think about it, the answer is probably no. No, I haven't because we all have these places that we struggle with. But when we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and we're thankful, God will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, show us that we, what we have in him is, is freedom from that anxiety and a peace that can only be found in him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that we can gather together in a community. Lord, thank you that we have a place where we can let your word dwell in us richly. Thank you for our, our community. Lord, I just pray that as we, as we turn our eyes and our hearts to Jesus, Lord, as we worship you, Lord, let, let this worship and this time be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.